our regular listeners, it is not a new thing to hear us talking about what's the latest in Bloomberg News. Mm-hmm. After all, they got an 80% monopoly on financial-related news. Pretty much. And most of the rest is, like, either, you know, esoterica for the real heads, or it's, you know, mass-market bullshit, like CNBC. Which is kind of useful, but, you know. You know. If you really want to get your finger on the pulse of what Wall Street's thinking, you go to Bloomberg. Yeah. With a plug-in. Maybe. Possibly. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and in that spirit, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> they had some real bangers this week, but this is the one that caught our eye. Um, lie flat if you want, but be ready to pay the price. Upper middle class, well-educated young Americans are getting in on the protest movement starting in China but they may not understand what it will cost them. Holy shit, we get to mock Bloomberg and get a nod back at Chop Shop Cannon? Mm-hmm. Didn't we cover this like a month ago? <laughs> a couple months. It was a while. Callbacks like that are part of the sophisticated writing that you can expect from this podcast. Yes. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> So, basically, yeah, yeah. <laughs> watch TV, do nothing, like we're doing it too. But oh, now Bloomberg has discovered, you know, those who take up the hot couch life, <laughs> <laughs> and they have opinions. Oh yes, like serious fucking thomas friedman level opinions mm-hmm. a serious paper for serious people a senior <sighs> fellow at the manhattan institute uh brain worms yeah i mean i'm not surprised like they're doing this whole oh my god this is young people complaining about how bad they have it and blah 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 how dare they pull themselves up by their bootstraps that's like how dare they not more like it almost feels like that whole tape is like the new get off my lawn Mm -hmm. (sighs) so basically the general thrust of the article is like Basically, this sort of, you know, fire um, section of the economy, the the young people, they feed into that and, you know, basically work half to death to um, have a functioning economy. People are starting to opt out. Um, people are also starting to realize that, you know, maybe this law degree thing isn't really going anywhere because it's basically like there's no money in law anymore. Um, There's some, if you're at like one of those, you know, 14 schools, top of your class, that kind of thing where, you know, the corporate lawyer ghouls will 
basically all have you on speed dial um, to hire and all that. But, like, for everyone else, everyone else just gets fucked. And, and you know, this isn't new. Like, oh, yeah. In a totally different life, I was actually seriously looking at, like, going into criminal law, like, forever ago when I was finishing up my, like, actual first bachelor's. And then the financial market went and fucking died and i happened to be working as like a billing clerk in the most like fucking underpaid yet critical position in the entire fucking firm of like five people and every day we were getting like legal trade papers talking about this big ass firm acts as like 300 associates and 100 partners and just all this shit just every single day that i was there yeah and it was like 12 years ago yeah, I can imagine that put a damper on your law school plans. <laughs> yeah. I decided to get debt in something slightly less useful, but at least I can sleep at night with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Historical econ. And do awesome. Yep. And do awesome podcasts. Um. <laughs> but yeah, basically there. So part of it is like, you know, the sort of people that this is written for are like, you know, the sort of ghouls that hire all the fresh meat for, you know, Wall Street. And they're like, oh, our job is like ever so slightly tougher because people, you know, kids want, you know, such horrible things as work-life balance and maybe even, you know, fuck this work thing well let's be real like work-life balance is another way of saying please i'd like to actually do something with this when i'm not sleeping or working and we have that be eight hours mm-hmm. yeah and instead it's usually more like uh, a lot of these places it's like four or two Oh, yeah. Like, you, you know, you get home, you might eat something, you probably won't, and then you just collapse in bed, dead to the world, until it's time to get up and do the whole thing over again. So, of course, Bloomberg had to opine about, them young people don't know how good they've got it. But, you know... In more mm-hmm. multi-syllabic terms. Yes. Fancy words that give the New York Times editorial team a collective art on, you know. Yeah. And it's like, most of the article is like, you know, going on about fucking millennials. Um, because they're kind of like, Historically, most of the pay increases you'll experience in your career occur before age 45. The skill development and networking that happens in your 20s and 30s set your career up for life. Work is hard when you start out, but you reap the benefits for decades. That makes your 20s and 30s a terrible time to have a midlife crisis. And, you know, all things being all other things being equal, I'm sure that's true in, like, you know, spherical cow land where it's still, like, I don't know, 1984? What? 
or something. When we haven't had two devastating one after the other economic crashes that completely Mm -hmm. blew out the market before I was, you know, old enough to even think about laying down for an apartment. And then after I was definitely old enough to think, oh, well, that's not it. <laughs> like, I mean, at the rate of things are going, I will probably be, you know, in my very late 30s, early 40s when I start my career. I'm not looking forward to this phenomenon, <laughs> but it's like, it's worth noting that, like, you know, yeah. you can't launch. That's this just how it fuel. goes. Like, yeah, like this is that's the normal thing. Like this whole, you know, upper middle class, um, lower upper class fantasy world that Bloomberg here is talking about. Uh, well, technically, it's Allison, Shre- uh, Allison Schrager, um, the Manhattan Institute fellow. That That's <laughs> sort of the fun shit that's on our radar. Welcome, everyone, to Chop Shop Economics, where we read this yeah. absolute bullshit, so you do not have to. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god, and there was so much of, of it this week. This we week. have, as always, Dr. Spider. We do also have a Patreon at Chop Shop Economics. Patreon.com slash Chop Shop Economics. You can link to it from our SoundCloud. You can also just go right to the link. If you throw in $5 a month, you get advance, you know, like, you know, two-day release on all of our weekly episodes and as we're able to get shit together regular specials as well as you know better equipment and all that cool shit so if you like hearing a couple of unreconstructed deranged leftists on the internet rant at how stupid the economic punditry is or mock economic officials and leaders that's our lane Throw some money in the tank. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. <sighs> oh, yes. So, shall we get on with it? This is just... <laughs> uh, we've been waiting for this. <laughs> this... This is why we said finance is a lagging indicator. This has just been on our bingo card Mm -hmm. since COVID started. Like, episode two of the podcast. Yeah, we we got teased. Yeah, we we got fucking teased. And then... The stock market, you know, improves. And it's like, you know, clearly the state of affairs cannot last. 
Yes. Especially because yeah. this casino, the casino doesn't has even got offer the guarantees of Vegas that says there's a dollar in the vault for every chip on the table. More like, actually, I'm not sure they know how much is in the vault versus chips mm-hmm. on the table. And they're hoping no one has to answer that question. <laughs> Yep. Well, CNBC so, has said one of the unspeakable words. Tonight at 11. Doom! Like that scale of yeah. CNBC used a word. <laughs> they didn't use the biggest D word. But they definitely got pretty close slightly lesser d word called deterioration (laughs) yes the stock market is undergoing a slow motion deterioration with pockets of shares down 20% or more ah There was also some unrelated news about IPOs this year not performing well. Go look at Krispy Kreme if you want to see some real It's probably because Oprah walked into the New York Stock Exchange and went, you get an IPO, and you get an IPO, and you get an IPO, and everyone gets an IPO. That's not how it works. <laughs> At least I hope that's not how it works. <laughs> I mean, it's like fucking Krispy <laughs> fucking Krispy Kreme at an exit. <laughs> what the fuck? And it's not even a good exit. They started at like, you know, $21 a share fell down to 17 and as a time of recording the share price was like 16 dollars and change not very much change either it was something like 1638 i want to say it was like it was low like it is not performing that's like that's the sort of shit we were seeing when the dot bomb was starting to blow. Yeah. And this is to get like why we're like so incredibly just vibing on this mm-hmm. shit is gets back to like sort of one of the core tenets of the show, which is that the business press and specific trade presses in particular are reliable up to a point because they have to offer actionable information Mm -hmm. for their clients otherwise they're not going to make money that's just what their business model is however part of that business model is and always has been manufacturing consumer and investor confidence this has been true since i don't know fucking gutenberg and somebody decided to say hey i'm gonna make a turnip market circular Like, that's 
always been true and you can see in other economic crises like for example the headline the day after the famous stock market crash that caused the great depression was wall street stocks rally and recovery expected i mean that you know a singular event that shakes the foundations and then you know much of the much of the losses are gained back but like the damage is done like you know, they margin called you Thursday, not Friday. So it's not like you can take advantage of your new position. Because, yeah, your position just got eaten by the margin call demon. <laughs> and that's something that we have con- that is consistent when you look at the history of the business press. Is that whenever there is a major economic crisis happening, you will see business press like generic business press in particular even though specific trade presses will be losing Mm -hmm. their shit doubling down on don't worry everything will be fine or we've got this or the recoveries around the corner or you know you buy in the dips or whatever bullshit deepak chopra crap they're passing off as economic analysis i mean that's that's what we're staring down you know like this is the smart money is not quite running towards the exits more like power walking like they don't want everyone else to know that the time to exit the time uh, the time to exit you know non-long-term positions is now or at least and you can even <laughs> You can even see this with where this story shows up on the CNBC website, that it is on their Trader Talk column, which is really for people that are following this market. And it came out as of time of recording and just like came right across our desk. And when you go to the Trader Talk column, it's right at the top because it's the newest thing they put up. So that's, of course, going to be where it is. But when you go on the main page, it's like buried way below like France losing a contract for a nuclear submarine with Australia because of new shifts in American defense policy in the region. Um, like we're talking way down, Pat, like not quite not man bike dogs level, but, you know not far removed yeah and like yeah i just i don't know what i don't know what to tell you this is like it's just like you know i i remember this happening in 2008 i remember this happening in 2001 it's all the indicators are sounding quietly a chorus of capitalists is rising that's saying we should probably get the hell out while the getting is good um mm-hmm. like i said power walking yep. to the exits running like a scared dog sets off the retail investors and then you've got a problem like, you need to keep them there so that someone's going to hold the bag and you can make good on your money. You're not supposed mm-hmm. to let the rubes know that the game's up. 
So, of course, you bury oh, this. Yeah. And this isn't just like some opinion column or something we found on CNBC in case anyone's thinking, oh, well, this is somebody who is offering the contrary argument because the bull argument is there. So someone has to balance it. And let's be real. The business press really does not do a good job generally of doing that. Um, that's just how it is. Yeah. But that's... This goes way past this. This goes into, like, the CNBC breakdown, goes, like, on specific industries and specific businesses and goes, hey, look, this shit is not performing at the levels that we would have expected this time of year. And we're not talking a small slippage. We're talking, like, significant, like, decrease in capacity that is actually very worrying and suggests that something might be deeply wrong with the economy. Yeah. Like, all sorts of stuff is off. Um, <sighs> industrial materials, like, you know, you got airlines down, you got FedEx. FedEx is down? What the fuck? Yeah. In a time when people are depending more yeah. on delivery Somehow. services than ever, FedEx is in trouble. Or at least yeah. not trouble, but not where, you know, they should be. If I mean, it's market like, conditions and vibes were all we needed. If they were doing well, or at least stagnant, you know, they'd be underperforming the high by, you know, a few percentage points. We're overperforming it. Um, underperforming by 20%, which is what FedEx is doing. Yeah, that's, that's not good. Um, yeah, that, that's a bad place to be. And this is, similar shit pervades throughout this article this isn't just like don't worry or hey i'm just offering this opinion because i need to be contrary to the rest of the market opinion and you know the market consensus is still somewhere in the land of don't worry we totally are full of bulls we promise and the bulls are not shitting on the rug we also promise. Basically, what they point out is retailers are doing badly. Um, luxury retailers are not doing particularly great either. Like, you know, anywhere from 14 to 21% among uh, tracked retailers. Um, home builders are off anywhere from 11 to 26%, which makes a lot of sense when you realize that like lumber is more valuable than gold or nine millimeter. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, this is, and this is what we've been saying. We've been Mm -hmm. saying this for coming up on a year and a half now. 
that the material basis of this recovery does not exist. It is not there, and that finance was going to be a lagging indicator that was going to be a little slow to catch on because they have way too much yeah. of a vested interest like in keeping the vibes the going. And of recovery here we are. Always had this huge fucking caveat that, like, you know. <coughs> Nothing is going to happen for, you know, a couple of years. And then the supply chains will calm down. Um, everyone will get their PS5s. Um, you know, graphics cards will come back down. You know, you'll be able to get lumber again. Things like that. The shelves will all be full. Uh, and all of that is scheduled for, like, 2023, 2024. <sighs> In a world where, you know, thinking ahead to the next quarter Instead of... is, you know, unimaginably long-term thinking. Like, at this point, I'm not even sure they think to the next quarter. Or mm -hmm. at least just enough to the next quarter that they can bullshit their way through. So, this is kind of a yeah, watch this space, like... Yeah. This shit's starting to come undone. We've done a whole episode on the fundamentals. And a big reason why that they talk about in this report is... Because of the whole Delta variant problem risk market which is marked by as bc sorry nn the united states passing a very grave milestone of where now one in 500 americans has died yeah. of covid19 like the assumption that was made by those bull markets um bull market inflators in the previous article was pretty much the Delta variant's going to ease, and we're going to have a very strong holiday you know, holiday season in the fourth quarter. The fourth quarter is coming in a couple weeks. Everything will be fine, except... That's yeah. so not happening. Because, like, there's so many goddamn people dead... And that has chilling effects far beyond just the one dead person. Like, you know, households are getting fucking shredded by this. And, I mean, we don't even know what Mew is yeah. going to look like in terms of, you know, how it behaves against you know, vaccinations and all that. Like, we don't know. The news is not that great. Yeah. And, and it's not helped by reports that, like, that in Africa we are now seeing a significant problem around COVID containment, which 
for those who have followed this show, we've touched on this a little bit before, that because of things like MERS and lots of other serious epidemics, the various African gotten very good at controlling epidemic disease outbreaks. Well, now they're starting to run into the limits of what they can do. Delta is starting to really go on a tear. And the fact that the U.S. and the U.K. are hoarding vaccines is making the whole situation worse than it needs to be in a fashion that is really kind of feeling a lot like how the Delta variant happened in the first place. Yeah. Basically, there's global shortages on vaccines, partly because of hoarding in the U.S. and U.K., partly... Partly a whole bunch of things, but basically it's just coming down to, like, like there was that, uh, and we probably should have put this in the show notes, but uh, apparently the whole thing where, you know, the Biden administration was going to, you know, actually waiver the patent protections on vaccines yeah it turns out they're dragging their fucking feet on it and wow yeah and like most of the vaccines are gated behind american patent law Uh, the ones that aren't are basically chinese and russian uh, yeah this is sort of how Delta happened, people. So yeah, watch the space. This is shit. Could get uh... like, and it's not like Delta variant is under control anyway. Yeah, basically, the tilter of the Africa story is they're getting four hundred seventy million doses of vaccine. They'll only cover like a sixth of the population over and above what has already, um, you know, gone out. And like, you know, that's that's not workable. That's just that's just going to set things up for a really fucking bad time. A global 17 percent take rate in Africa would be. A disaster. The target was four. Yeah. And even that was more than a bit low. Ah, oh, it's. Yeah. It's. Hang on tight, folks. Mm-hmm. Reality is rudely intruding on the spherical cow models of how the economy is supposed to work. Yeah. On better news. We do have interesting developments that are happening in the world of labor and direct action. Yes. The first one, not as pleasant, is coming from the ongoing Nabisco strike, which is seeing quite impressive amounts of solidarity online and what appears to be sort of a spontaneously organized 
consumer boycott against Nabisco goods, which in this case is totally in line with what needs to happen. With Amazon, it was murkier, but this looks pretty straightforward. Yeah. This is much like the Frito-Lay boycott that was going on um, like a month ago. Yeah. So in the middle of all this, we got footage, care of Twitter, of Nabisco security physically assaulting, striking Nabisco workers. Yeah. And And basically it was... Huffmaster crisis response, you know, one of those tier two um, private security companies. Because, you know, I guess they're too cheap for like Pinkertons. <laughs> you know, Pinkertons are busy. They've been bought out by Amazon to deal with their problem. Mm hmm. Yeah, and this is unfortunately not surprising to anyone who watches labor news like if this is kind of a newish development in the u.s because it's been a while since we've had like fights on picket lines like this but this is you know anyone who's cover like reads labor notes or whatever or covers this beat will tell you that yeah violence against the labor movement is like fucking peter and butter and jelly in the eyes of the capitalists mm-hmm Yeah, and basically, yeah, it's it's pretty brutal. We'll um, include a link in the show they, notes and description so you can see what we're talking about. Yeah, in somewhat better news. Much better news, thankfully. <laughs> oh yes. It's great. Anonymous has been very loudly making their return into the world of hacktivism. Mm-hmm. For those of you who follow this stuff, this would be the your Anon News, or rather the faction represented by them. Um, and they have dumped... 180 gigabytes of data from the web host Epic, most known for being the basically the hoster and domain registrar of Last Resort for places like 4chan, 8chan, um, well, not 4chan. 4chan, they found one that was more respectable. But, you know, 8chan, Gab, Parlor, uh, the Texas GOP, um, a whole, well, basically, you know, if, if fascists want to host a site, they go to Epic and they've gone to Epic in wherever it's forms for like 20 years. These guys have been around for a while. (laughs) So yeah, this is... If you are involved in the far right at all, then congratulations. Your shit has most likely gone public on the internet. Mm hmm. They. And, you know, they don't even protect their fucking passwords. They protect them with ND5, which is. 
Nobody uses MD5 anymore. <sighs> Unsalted at that. And they just don't, I think, anymore understand how, like, surprisingly vulnerable they are, probably because they haven't had to deal with the FBI or the NSA, like, crawling up inside their ass and laying eggs the way that they do with anything vaguely left of center. Um, yeah, if you are one of those counterterrorism researchers or anti-fascists or community defense people or anyone who's not a Nazi who might have some interest in this information... It is at distributed denial of secrets. Mm-hmm. It, and yeah. None of what is contained <laughs> is illegal. I will not comment on how it was obtained. Only that the information itself is not illegal to possess. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, they ended up, like, scrubbing the credit card data, but that's mostly, you know. Like they said, don't get excited, FBI. We're not in that game. Yeah, and, you know, that's... You don't really need that to shut these kind of pricks down, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's basically... <laughs> good luck to anyone out there who's fighting that good fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> and I think that gets us to our next segment. <laughs> Apparently, high-ranking officials at the U.S. Federal Reserve have been mm -hmm. doing a little day trading on the side. And in a truly gauche fashion, you know, gauche if you are a federal official of any kind, they got caught doing what totally does not look like insider trading. <laughs> we promise federal officers would never do such a thing. And now the Fed, as reported by several outlets, is going, maybe we should actually have some maybe. rules about this. <sighs> wow. The Wall Street Journal really doesn't want you to read about this. <laughs> oh, no. Um, the most it'll tell you is that, like... The Dallas and Boston regional Fed banks, uh, their leaders were actively playing the market. Ah, which they were not supposed to do. They're really not. But, you know, when you literally are somebody who can make stocks rise mm -hmm. and fall... The temptation's oh, real, yeah. I'd imagine. I mean, we can't, so, you know, fuck it. But <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's like a lot of people would play, you know, a lot of people would play these games if there were, you know, 
if it were, you know, a little easier than is. Yeah, I have a nut. And, well, I mean, imagine, like, you know, someone who runs a regional fed bank has a lot of money to play with in their personal capacity. And their professional capacity, well... That, that's where it gets really fun. That's where you can get into all kinds of fun shit. Of Maybe I'll advocate for policy that's going to be brilliant mm-hmm. for my VC stocks. Or maybe if, you know, you're more interested in, like... You know, more long-term um, investing strategies. Maybe you'll put the FUM on scale against the VCs. Like, you know, they don't pay your bills... And, you know, this totally doesn't have the words conflict of interest spray painted all over it in neon paint. Yeah. And that's, honestly, I think that's the only reason, like, they're willing to prosecute it. Because it's like, you know, nobody wants Fed policy, nobody in this space wants Fed policy to be decided by a couple of guys who are playing the market themselves and just want what's best for their portfolio. Or at least they don't want people officially doing that. I mean, it's not like they don't already do that anyway, but... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's like, if you're, you know, in these sorts of positions, you have access to data that a lot of people do not. Like... I mean, how you the kind, the kind of advantages that someone who's like say close to the senior levels of the Fed would have mm-hmm. is just absurd, to say the least. Yeah, I mean, if you knew that like a stock was threatening to like contagion itself all over the floor, you know, you could. You could do a short position against it and make a lot of money. And, well, you know, the best way to determine an appropriate short position is to be in one of these positions. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> Just sort of your reminder, this is the way this shit has worked top to bottom for a long time. Mm-hmm. This is not like the fact that they're saying now, hey, maybe we should have some rules on this because someone was stupid and got caught. Oh, yeah. It's like this is we need to find a way to not get caught again while pretending we have fixed the problem. Yeah. Like they're not going to be, you know, executing bankers in a dink room deep within the Politburo. Like, that's not the kind of country we run here. You just... No. You need a slap on the wrist so that, you know, you're not quite so blatant about... <laughs> like, don't fuck. do it in a... It's like, don't do it in a way that we can catch you doing it, please. 
this shit makes things uncomfortable. It makes life awkward. I mean, that's kind of where these folks are at. And also, and also, maybe you're endangering my short-term or long-term position. So cut it the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, these people, of course they need to be right in. It's just, I don't really have any faith they're going to do that. They're, they're just going to make sure that it's not as obvious. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, that does get to something that is genuinely good news. Mm-hmm. Where this is sort of a follow-on to, like, a couple months ago, we reported on that there was a Washington County that voted to ban any future development export infrastructure, effectively dooming any new state. Well, now, L.A. County, as in Los Angeles, California County, has taken a look at that and went, hold my beer and watch this. They have officially voted to ban any, not only, like, ban future development, but to begin rolling back the existing 1600 wells that exist in Los Angeles County which you know kind of fun tidbit like California is a pretty massive oil state even though it's not really associated with that in the popular imagination mm-hmm. um and LA the LA basin specifically was one of the big hotspots for the industry when it was first getting started like this is where all that shit and there will be blood comes from and mm-hmm. this is just such an enormous reversal of fortune to say the least like this is not quite the level of like west texas going this is bullshit but this is one of the big oil producing regions in the country and while this isn't you know total we want you to shut everything down now kind of shit And this is only in the unincorporated parts of Los Angeles County because the rest is under, like, various municipal jurisdictions. This still is, like, 1,600 oil and gas wells being capped, being forced to be shut down in a phased process that were supposed to be sticking around in some fashion or another. Yeah, and... They're even threatening to make the oil companies pay for the cleanup of all of these sites. Which, hell yeah, if you can, if you can get it. I'm super down. And that's what I think is what's going on with this. Is we've got, this is part of a bigger trend that's already picking up like this isn't just like the divestment movement at university endowments or student groups pressuring like high profile foundations anymore this is significant municipal bodies are going hey we are actively voting down any further development of fossil fuels or related infrastructure period end of discussion in a way that directly impacts the ability of these industries to continue functioning as they have. Mm -hmm. 
And these are industries that have to expand. <sighs> like, it's just the way they work. They have to find new opportunities to grow and to drill and to exploit markets and all that shit, just like everything else in capitalism, but especially these guys. So it's kind of gratifying to see that this is starting to become a thing at the local level in American politics, that places that have long relationships with oil and gas long histories with this being major employers are going actually we want you to leave now mm -hmm. so i guess you could call this a both good news and watch this space kind of item because if la's doing this well who's next Indeed. I know I don't want to be the oil executive who has to figure that question out. <laughs> and I have no sympathy for the poor bastard who's got that job. Because fuck you, you took that job. Yeah. But even so, it's, you know, this is a significant shift. This is, hi, that carbon bubble just got more precarious kind of news. And we fucking love it. Nice. So, so yeah. I mean, seriously, fuck those guys. They've put the planet at risk. They are the <laughs> only industry in human history that actually gets to have, like, the dubious distinction of, wow, we managed to almost kill the fucking biosphere. So, fuck them. Mm -hmm. Moving on. Moving on. We got... Bloomberg, once again, is going to read the writing on the wall. <laughs> and when I'm saying that, what I mean is... We've been covering this beat around supply chains since this podcast got started. We have been following this story pretty diligently around what the hell COVID-19 has done to the whole mess that is supply chains in the United States of America. And for those of us who have been following this podcast for a while, you can attest to that we have laughed and cried and jeered and sneered at the sheer fuckery that has been unleashed in the name of saving the supply chain Ooh. system. And now it's here. Bloomberg is acknowledging not just as they have previously, that there's problems in the supply chain system. They have actually taken it to the level of this might actually be the problem. Yep. So part of it is, you might remember, I keep kicking around this whole thing about, you know, the economic recovery is premised on the idea that if nothing else goes wrong, the market will eventually correct itself. And... 
you know, the supply chains will finally stabilize and capitalism will stabilize with it. And, you know, everything we find, nothing to see here. And the reason I bring that up, um, and I bring it up a lot, is because, I mean, hell, they talk about it um, in this article where, you know, the logistics people are like, you know, the supply chain, we're looking at, you know, things aren't going to get better until like a year from now. Um, you know, a year and a half until things fully recover. And that's in like one section, you know, bathroom fixtures. The sort of invisible white good that everyone needs eventually, but <laughs> yeah, you just don't think about it. And it's like this everywhere in the economy. And this is, to be fair, this is not the right. first time Bloomberg has reported on this, generally. This is just sort of the mm-hmm. beginning of Bloomberg going, oh, wait, there might not be a way out of this. Which, you know, welcome to the chop shop material yeah. collapse thesis. We've only been in this place for the past fucking year. Why the hell are you getting the fucking big bucks to call this <laughs> bullshit? Oh, wait, because you're there to be cheerleaders for capitalism. Um, Not actually critically analyze it. Yeah. And. Basically, they talk about the usual stuff, like, if you want a container to go from point A to point B on time for that luxury, which, you know, just-in-time delivery, um, just-in-time logistics, all of that assumes that this quote-unquote luxury is, you know, the default reality, you're paying $25,000 to move such a container. It used to cost $2,000 yeah. to do that. And that was not an expedited on time service. That was just, you know, regular ass, you know, it will arrive when it arrives, but it will at least arrive on time predictably yeah like this when it arrives we can pinpoint what the when it arrives is actually can pinpoint it at least that's how it used to be now that's like so not been the case for the past like fucking year you're in half really and yeah and bloomberg is actually really starting to catch up with where we've been at going this economy is built on dog shit and that dog shit is starting to Mm -hmm. really smell so this is i i don't like that this is happening i'm not like taking this opportunity to go and we fucking told you so bitches because you know this is not the kind of thing you want to be right about but 
that Bloomberg is saying, hey, guess what? This is what's happening. This thing that's supposed to work is coming apart. You know, at least I don't feel like I'm yeah. losing my shit anymore. And it's like you know? they're also talking about things <laughs> that are like, you know, less appreciative. Like people, when they do hear about this, they usually hear about like um, ocean shipping, like getting the container from, you know, Shenzhen to Los Angeles. But, you know, what happens when that container of goods lands and needs to get to the warehouse? Um, what if it needs to get to, like, a regional hub like Chicago? And they're talking about things like Union Pacific... Um, stopped hauling for a while so that they could catch up with their backlog because one of the biggest fuck off rail shipping companies in the United States has been around since the transcontinental yes. railroad and they're like well you know Chicago is not processing these goods fast enough and freeing up these containers and they just keep fucking piling up in Chicago. We we can't just keep shipping shit into this maw of, of capital goods. Like, we're, we're just going to have to stop. And besides, the fires are making us stop anyway. And that, uh, you know, that yeah. story, you know, a lot of us missed that because, you know, admittedly, we follow this be a little casually compared to, like, the real heads who own, like, subscriptions to the logistics trade press and all that. Yeah. We mostly have to, like, boost it out the back of their servers yeah. to get this shit, so. <laughs> I mean, they're. <laughs> but, yeah, this is what ha is and has been going down and is now really starting to go down. That Bloomberg is starting to go, oh, this is not a temporary disruption. This is There was even, like, another piece in Bloomberg that came out around the same time as this one that goes really into supply chains. Where they're like, hey, guess what? Business schools are having to like tear up their textbooks on supply chain management because everything that we assumed about the way we could make this neoliberal shit show work turned out to be complete and utter bollocks. And we're having to revamp that because, oops, we forgot that these things called physics and material constraints yeah. are things. Are bad. Like, basically... <laughs> they told physics to hold their beer and physics went that's, that's funny <laughs> it's like gladly you're buying the next round economics i mean how the the article does kind of reveal some new things um things i haven't yet really seen before because like you know the whole, 
uh, tying into that, the whole assumption was that logistics is boring. Logistics, uh, logistics, you know, just works. There's a whole bunch of, you know, software and human resources that go into making logistics flows frictionless. And all of that seemed to be working right up until it didn't. And now, and now you can't even find like the top level people to do this kind of work. Like there's, <laughs> there's shortages yeah. of supply chain managers. It, it turns out it's, that you can't buy them uh, on fish.com. Although apparently someone has, because how else do you explain this shit show called the neoliberal yes, economics yes. period? <laughs> yeah, that's Bloomberg is saying, hey, it looks like the thing that these cranks with a podcast have been talking about their entire run is actually a problem. This thing that's showing up in the trade press where relevant is actually a serious mm-hmm. fucking problem. And yeah, we're just all going to have to suck it up in the name of capitalism and pay no attention to how the fuck yeah. this problem happened. I mean, I think the big difference with this article versus previous ones is like, a lot of the earlier ones assumed, oh, this is a transient phenomenon. We'll be able to get back to just-in-time logistics once, you know, we get a little bit of buffer and we can just, like, write it out. The backlog will eventually clear and, you know, we can go back to frictionless. And it's increasingly looking like that is not going to be the case. <laughs> we're oh, no. stuck with this we're stuck with this problem it, oh yeah this shit is not changing it is not shifting it is how it's all going down folks and that gets us to Our last word. So. And what do you think? Like, we. We kind of got into this a little bit in. Actually, at great length in Talked Special. It just really needs to be emphasized that we are in a situation where multiple different things are all going wrong with the economy at about the same time. And any one of these things would, without any question, be absolutely fucking apocalyptic under normative conditions. Things like the CDC evictions kicking off again or the our unemployment getting cut off for literally millions of people or yeah. delta variant 
period, all these things would on their own be dangerously like, well, shit's really going to hell in a handbasket here. Yeah. It's like... I'm starting to understand why we don't have like a singular cause for the destruction of the Roman Empire now. Like, I'm really in my bones starting to understand why that is not a thing. Because it's rarely one crisis that undoes an empire. It's the everything, usually. Yeah. All this shit's adding up. This is all happening at the same time. And... I mean, our best guess as to why the current government is reacting the way it is in the U.S. to all this is they just do not appreciate the extent to which these are extremely bad things. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's partly, you know, we got to manufacture consent, we got to manufacture consumer confidence, but I don't think that's the entire thing. I really do think they believe that things will be fine. Like, you know, Trump inherit, Trump saddled us with like this horrible fucking problem. And I, by the power of being Joe Biden, of being a Democrat who right thinks his way to, you know, market based solutions. I am going to solve this crisis. And it's like, I'm not even sure that, you know, FDR or, you know, somebody like him could handle this. Yeah. (laughs) This is like, this is so many things happening all at once. Yeah. And stacking up all together all at the same time that is the stuff of nightmares for anyone who's trying to maintain something resembling a stable social order. Yeah. Like I this. mean, this is... <laughs> yeah, this is just this whole death of a thousand cuts thing. And it's... I mean, I don't... I don't know what to tell y'all. Um, Mutual aid networks. Organize yeah. in your communities. Build whatever you got. Work with whatever's there. If that's the DSA, then it's the DSA. If it's a vaguely not completely stupid branch of the Green Party, then that's what you got. It's get ready. Because this is it. Yeah. Like, it hasn't officially happened yet, but that we're starting to see things like finance going, oh, things might actually be a bit fucked. And all the indicators going, actually, things are way worse than you're willing to admit in public. That's sort of like what we've been getting at for pretty much the run of this podcast is the material conditions of this economy are in 
unenviably bad conditions. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I realize there's a lot of people who talk about this who seem to, you know, assume that, like, it's just gonna slowly get worse forever. And it's like, that may be true, but the setup for, you know, the current crisis was built up in 2008. 2008 was set up by the dot bomb. The dot bomb was set up by previous crises. You know, you can trace it all the way back to, like, the chaos of 73. You know, Brian Woods and all that. Oh, yeah. Or the Palace Accords. Or just, there. this goes back so long and now it looks like we're finally reaching that point where material constraints have caught up with neoliberal capitalism and it just doesn't have the means to keep cheating death like this anymore like it has for it the entire run of its existence really yeah i mean that's that was kind of the hope that you know neoliberalism could let the market outrun the falling rate of profits all that fun stuff that we like to talk about. And the truth of it is, is it was just setting us up for a bigger and bigger fall each time. And this is it. So organize in your communities, talk to people, you know, brace for fucking impact Cause it's not, it's not happening yet, but it will be, and it's going to be soon, and it's going to depend on people organizing their communities and working together to have a reasonable shot of getting through any of this. Because the state has made it abundantly clear they will send you into the plague pits to die with no real compensation or additional assistance. Minus, hey, we'll at least give you paid time off to get the vaccine, which, you know, that's better than nothing. But there's a whole lot of room between sufficient and nothing. And that sort of sits pretty close to the bottom. (sighs) Yes. So yeah, like grow gardens, listen to Robert Evans' podcast, and <laughs> <laughs> except with the catch of we think it's going to be happening a lot faster. Yeah, we have opinions on that. Um, if you're on the Discord, we've even had these conversations. Yeah, <laughs> and no. it's yeah. I mean. We're not throwing shade at what they're doing over there at Cool Zone Media. Far from it. We yeah. just think they're hedging their bets a little too hard. Yeah. I mean, this is this is something where reasonable minds can disagree. And it's like, I can totally understand why 
somebody would look at this situation and be like, no, there's not going to be like, you know, it's just going to be a long, slow slide into collapse. And we tend to think of this more as like a dam breaking. Yeah. You know, slowly and then all at once. Sort of like how it went down last year, honestly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Organizing your communities. Dig up info on how to do that. Hang on tight. And maybe also throw five bucks on our Patreon. Shameless plug, <laughs> shameless plug. Yes. I mean, it covers our server bills. So, you know, if you want to hear more of this... It does help. Yeah, totally. So, on that note, good luck to everyone out there from Chop Shop Economics, where we read this shit so you don't have to. Yep. Bye, everyone.